Hello, and welcome to another episode of Literary Porno, and it's me, your narrator, Mike, and... Aren't you going to introduce me? Amber. Hola. And tonight, after much anticipated... uh, Will it record if I get out of it? What are you talking about? Like, if you... Yeah, it'll still record. Ha. Okay. All right. Um, no, put it down, though, because I'm going to make the mic sound all fucked up. It's me rolling it around fine. I will leave it down. Um. Yeah, don't be doing that when we're doing this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I probably won't work with that anyway. Okay, fine. Um. Oh, it's still doing it. Okay, whatever here. I'm just saying, that bore me. Well, you're going to just fuck up the microphone. So, um... Anyway. Alright, so this one, this week, is called Ditsy Donna. And it is written by Kirk482002. What kind of name is that? I don't know. Some fucking douche. (laughs) You're dumb. Alright, anyway. So, here we go. It's prom season... And being the dork I am, the only person available that will go with me is another cast-off from the student population. Her name is Louise Johnson. To most people, she's known as Looney Louise. She wears clothes that don't fit, hair designs not yet invented by man, and is the biggest buffoon in the class. I can't decide to ask her or just go stag. Going alone will solidify my status as the biggest loser in the school, while going with her simply ties us with that honor. Still... She's got a nice rack. Ralph Jr., finish cleaning the garage. Your mom wants this done before she gets home. Okay, Pop. What a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon, cleaning up my parents' crap in their garage. Good thing I'm almost done so I can go back into the house and do nothing tonight. A social life requires friends, which I'm a little short in supply right now. Hey, Junior, got any plans tonight? No, Pop. Why don't you call that Louise girl you're taking to the prom? Go out and have some fun. I'll give you 50 bucks and you can use my car. I haven't asked her to the prom and she's not my girlfriend, Pop. He walked back to the house shaking his head. I knew he meant well, but he just doesn't understand what it's like to be me. Yeah, I could call her and I'm sure her social calendar was just as wide open as mine, but I'm not sure I want to spend an evening worrying about what she's going to do next. Pop came and went a few times to make sure I wasn't throwing away anything of value. God forbid I should get rid of an old tennis racket with half the strings missing. I finished repacking their treasure crap into some boxes and started reloading a shelf on the far wall. As I was about to lift the last box up, I noticed an old marble composition book laying on it. It must have been under the crap I pulled off and chucked earlier, though I could swear the half... The shelf was half was empty when I pulled the boxes down before. I opened it and saw that the writing in it was my pops. Flipping through the pages, I stopped at the word boobs. Quickly, I finished the garage, stuck the book in my pants waist, covered it with my shirt, and headed back to the house to take a shower. Pop stopped me at the bottom of the stairs. Here's a late birthday present for you, Junior, he said, holding out a small wrap package. Turning 18 is a milestone in life. I want you to have these. 
It was a pack of Trojans, lubricated, ribbed, and spermicidal. Ah, thanks, Pop, but I'm not sure I'm going to need these anytime soon. You never know, son. Come on, give the girl a call. I sighed. Pop, you don't know what you're asking me to do. She's a walking disaster. She's so bad they call her Looney Louise. Now do you understand? Do you like the girl? I don't know. I've talked to her a few times. She seems okay, but she does dumb things. She does have a nice set, though, I said, holding my hands out in front of me for effect. Nothing wrong with that, Pop replied with a grin on his face. I headed to my room and put the book under my pillow. After getting a shower and changing, I went down to raid the fridge. The house seemed quiet. Pop! There was no answer. Pop! I shouted out the window. His car was gone. I grabbed a soda and a box of leftover KFC and headed back to my room. I flopped down on the bed and opened the book. The first few pages were simply notes or doodles. On the fifth page, there was a heading. Sunday, December 15, 1974. That was almost 30 years ago. I knew Pop was almost 50, so he must have been close to my age when he wrote this. I'm writing this down so I'll never forget the events of the last few days. As if that's actually possible. One thing's for sure. I'm not the same person I was before this all started. The events began two days ago on Friday the 13th. Pop never really talked about his past. Once in a while, he'd tell a story about this or that, but mostly there were stories within the last 20 years or so. I turned the page and his story began. I was sitting in my living room watching Second City TV on an old black and white as another Friday night was going to waste with nothing to do. I just can't believe my crappy luck when it comes to girls. I'm 19 years old with my own apartment and a good paying job. I'd been in that apartment for seven months and not one female has set foot in the place to visit me with the exception of my mother. I've had a few dates here and there, but nothing that went far enough to suggest a little fun back at my place before they went home. I'm not bad looking. I have an average build and height, blonde hair and green eyes. I have a decent sense of humor and like going out as much as anyone else. I suppose the problem is that I'm looking for a girlfriend. They can sense it the moment you meet them, and it places them on the defensive. I remember looking at my watch and realizing that my friend Jim would be by soon. Usually, he dropped in on Fridays around that time, either with a girl or on his way out looking for one. Sometimes I'd go with him, but it usually meant holding up in a bar until closing time, talking about how great it would be to meet some girls, not that there were any in those places. If he had a girl with him, he usually asked me to find somewhere to go for a few hours. I couldn't get any girls in the place, but he could. What a guy. Sure enough, there was a knock at the door. I took a peek to the people and could see it was Jim, and he had a guess. I didn't feel like bailing out of my home that night. I considered playing dead. Jim knocked again. Ralph, open up. It's me. Someone here wants to see you. He shouted through the door. Really? I mumbled. As I peeked through the hole again, I could see Jim and the girl, but I could also see the slightest bit of someone else off to the side. Oh, great. Blind date, I thought. The last one Jim set me up on forgot to wash herself sometime that week. Combing her hair would have been a new experience for her, and the last time I checked, there were seven holes in a person's head, not eight. I could have just said I was sick. I could have told them I had a girl in the place too, but the laughter coming from the other side of the door might have disturbed my neighbors. Who am I kidding? They would have been laughing right along with them. I opened the door and my friend smiled back at me. Hey, 
there you are. Taking a nap or something? Asked Jim, goofing around. Well, this is Kelly, he said, pointing briefly at a cute brunette. I nodded in her direction, and she giggled a little. I, uh, oh, I sorry. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. Oh, wait, no, no. Yeah. I'm sure you remember this one, Jim said, pointing off to the side, invisible from the people. She's my height, with blue eyes and wild, short blonde hair. There were too many teeth and gums showing when she smiled, and there were a bit of a snort when she giggled. She wore an oversized sweater with sleeves that fell a foot below her hands and flapped around as she waved at me. Her jeans were too long for her and her frayed from dragging on the ground. Her big toe was sticking out from an old sneaker and wiggled with a life of its own. Hi, Ralph, she said with a giggle and snort. It had been three years since I'd seen her. I like to think we were an item at the time, but the reality was that we were good friends and not much more. Even with that relationship, I was closer to her than any other girl in my life. She's an amazing and interesting person. She has the ability to perk you up with that never-fading smile and giggle. When things got dull, she livened them things up with a joke, pratfall, or some off-the-wall stunt. Her parents moved cross-country when we were still in 10th grade. That hurt. I didn't realize just how much I relied on her being around. We exchanged a few letters, but I hadn't heard from her for over a year. She wiped her nose with her flapping sweater sleeve and snorted. Nope, she hadn't changed a bit. I felt flushed. My heart was racing with joy and excitement. Ditsy Donna was back in town. I closed the book. Ditsy Donna? My mother was known as Ditsy Donna. I always thought she acted like she had too much caffeine. I went back to reading. Oh my God, was all I managed to say before she wrapped her arms around my neck and hugged me, moist sleeve and all. Okay then, said Jim as he and his date passed us and entered my apartment closing the door. As she held me tight, I could feel her shaking. At first I thought she was cold, and then I thought she was crying. Then she snorted. What's so funny? I asked. I think Jim just locked you out. (laughs) I tugged on the door, and sure enough, Jim had turned a deadbolt. I patted my pocket in vain, knowing my keys were right inside the door on a hook. I checked my back pocket and found that I didn't have my wallet either. Oh, man, I said, knocking on my own door. Come on, don't worry about them. Let's go out. She said, pulling me to the building door. I left my wallet inside, I replied. She blew raspberries at me. Don't worry about it. My treat. She said as I wiped the raspberry remnants off my face. Where are we going? I asked Clueless. I don't know. She replied, pulling me out to the parking lot. Did you drive here? Nope. She said, dragging me out to the street. A car came close, and Donna squinted, looking at the driver. Nope. Another one closed in and said, that'll do. With that, she pulled her shirt and sweater up and flashed the driver. There couldn't have been more than a second before the driver's foot went from the gas to the brake, and the car made a grand skid to a halt. The front passenger side door flung open, and Donna jumped in. Come Come on. on. Whoop. Come on, she said as she motioned with flapping sleeves. I got in next to her. Thanks, she Uh, said to the driver. Oh, I get it. He replied, I knew it was too good to be true. Sorry. Uh, Uh, Where are you going? I was heading to work over on Route 1. Where do you want to go? 
Hey, hey Ralph, uh, is the uh, All the Way house still open? Don't ask while playing the guy's fuzzy dice. Yes. I think so. Let's go there. Um, it's on the way. Giving the guy another peek at her boobs. How, how come I don't get to see them, I asked. You're not driving. Oh. The All the Way house was a burger and beer joint that seemed more like an old-time tavern than an eatery. It was dimly lit with booths and tables as well as a counter with stools. It had an old jukebox that played equally old 45s for a quarter or 3 for 50 cents. It offered a standard fare such as hot dogs and various types of burgers served with a basket of french fries. What set this eatery apart from the others was its famous all-the-way sauce. That special secret sauce was invented by some Irish guy around the turn of the century and intended as revenge on his neighbor. It consisted of hot dry mustards mixed with hot peppers, onions, mushrooms, and lots of vinegar. It was then slowly simmered for several days until it had the consistency of thick gray ketchup with lumps. It was perfect for on top of hot dogs or burgers or a basket of fries. Of course, you could get your food any way you wanted it, with or without the sauce served on the side, but the truly brave would order their meal all the way. The brave and the assholes, that is. Donna was busy thanking the driver by letting him cop a fill as I entered the house. It was just the same as it was the last time I had been in it, about three years before. The big bopper was singing Chantilly Lace on the jukebox as I spotted one empty booth toward the back. The place was packed with Friday night kids either finishing with activities for the evening or just getting started. I made my way to the booth and sat at the far wall facing the door. Looking over the menu told me nothing had changed except for the prices. There was a whoosh of air and suddenly Donna was seated across from me. Her sweater was in disarray and her hair was even more out of whack than usual. Did the guy leave? I asked, looking for her eyes through the blonde bangs. Yeah, he went away happy. <laughs> she replied, pulling her sleeves up, finally revealing her hands. They were not graceful or delicate, but they fit her to a T. I'm not sure I want to know what that means. Yep, best not to ask. She replied, eyeing up the menu. You know, I don't think I've been in here since the last time we were here together. I said, paging through the playlist on the control box in the booth. Donna stared at her menu a minute, and then a frown came over her face. I knew she was trying to remember the night in question. It bothered me that she didn't, since it was kind of a memorable night. Well, to her, we were just friends. Donna! shouted a large woman, who apparently was our waitress. I say apparently because she wore a black dress with white lace. A small black lace bonnet, an equally black apron, and up to a second ago, a fuck you and the horse you rode in on look. Peggy! Shouted Donna as she leapt to her feet and into the extremely large woman with equally large breasts. I remembered her from the last time we were there. Oh, it's so good to see you. How are you doing, baby? Peggy asked, squeezing Donna for all she was worth. Great, how are the kids? Asked Donna, saying, trying to breathe in Peggy's grasp. Hellraisers? She replied, letting Donna loose. Yeah, well, six boys will do that. Giggled Donna, looking back at me and winking. Eight. Fired back Peg. No shit. Snorted Donna. Yep. 
The last one was born before the water broke. I shuddered. Donna laughed, snorted, and dropped back into her seat. I looked up at Peg. What a, What the fuck are you looking at? Actually, I was looking at her breasts. They were huge. Nothing, I replied. Baby, what can I get you? Peg asked Donna. Just a Coke right now. I'm still looking. Okay, said Big Peg, as she turned and walked away, ignoring me. I'd like, uh, I started to say and then cleared my throat as it became obvious that I was being tuned out. Donna folded her menu and set it down, looking at me and only me. So, Ralph, uh, what's going on with you? I told her everything. Good grades in high school, great job, and moving into the apartment. I also told her that things were still a bit rough on the girlfriend front. How about you? The answer was as convoluted and strange as she could be at the times. All I really heard was, no boyfriend. That perked me up. Here's your soda, sweetie, said Peg as she dropped a plastic cup on the table and moved along. Thanks. <laughs> so... So what are you doing, or what are you going to have? I'm not all that sure I'm going to get a chance to order, I said, watching Big Peg move around the room. Don't worry, I'll make sure you get your order in, Donna replied while tapping on the tabletop. From across the room, Peg shouted, One cow patty extra burnt. And then paused as she filled her lungs and bellowed, All the way. The guy behind the counter shouted, All the way. The guy cutting the onions oiled, All the way. The cook in the bathroom hollered, All the way. I hope he washes his hands, I said to Donna, as she started cracking up and soda bubbled out of her nose. I pulled the napkin dispenser over for her, but she'd already wiped her nose with her sleep. Well, you may not remember the last time we were here, but I do, and I sure hope Peg doesn't. Oh, oh right. I remember now. She said and started laughing all over again. <laughs> that night, Donna and some friends of ours ate at the All The Way house. As the evening ended, Donna walked the others into leaving one by one. Donna talked the others into leaving <laughs> one by one until the only one left was me. When I realized they weren't coming back, I knew I was in trouble. The bill was 26 bucks, and all I had on me was $10. $26 is a large amount of money for someone making $1.80 an hour. What I remember the most about that evening was trying to sneak out myself and getting caught by Big Peg. It wasn't my finest moment. I doubt she remembers that, said Donna as she smiled toward Peg and flapped at her. Uh, I don't... Right here. Uh, no, that's... Is it? Yeah. One foot long uh, at table three, all the way. All the way, all the way, all the way. You... Uh, you paid to her that night, didn't you? Donna asked, sipping her cola. All I had was ten bucks, but the bill was twenty-six. She made me clean the urinals in the men's room until midnight with my underwear. That wasn't so bad, stated Donna as she waved at Peg to let her know we were ready. Yeah, well, she kept coming in and pulling up her skirt and pissing all over the walls and the urinals. I said, shuddering at the vision still crystal clear in my mind. <laughs> wow. She has this huge clit that looks like a small... No, she didn't, said Donna, shaking her head as Peg arrived at the table. 
What would you like to eat, sweetie? She asked Donna. Let Ralph go first. She said, nodding in my direction. Big Pig turned toward me, facing the back wall, and in a quick but unseen motion, other than to me, pulled her skirt up. Her large clit was even bigger than I remembered it. You better have brought an extra pair of Fruit of Looms if you can't pay for the bill tonight, dickhead. And let the skirt drop. She remembered me. She seemed just as warm and sociable as before. I cleared my throat and opened my mouth, but nothing managed to come out. Big Peg turned toward Donna and asked, What can I get you? Donna pointed back at me. What do you want? Big Peg huffed at me. I want a burger with lettuce and tomato and a side of fries. I finally got out. How do you want that burger? They only use ground sirloin at the house, so you could have it done the way you liked it. Medium rare, I replied, feeling a little more in control. Being able to decide how one's burger is done helps one in regaining one's control. Uh-huh. She turned toward Donna. What would you like, honey? I'd like a kibbles and bits and a side order of fries. Oh, shit. I whispered to myself. One thing you need to understand about this secret sauce is that it is a bit on the hot side. Actually, it was hot. Bitter, hot, sweet, hot, pungent, hot, with a little hot left over. Very few people actually developed a taste for that sauce. To use the phrase, grew accustomed to it, really isn't correct. You never grew accustomed to it. You just killed more taste buds each time. A dog or a burger served with that sauce on top all the way was deadly enough. But a kibbles and bits sandwich was kind of like a sloppy joe only made with a sauce instead. A person eating that was receiving four times the amount of that vile mixture than an all the way sandwich. The fire fries were a bit less intense in, as they used less sauce but added, added Texas firehouse chili as well. Very few people ordered either, let alone both except for the brave and the assholes. Donna was a ditz, but she was no asshole. Ooh, honey, are you sure? Asked Peg, breaking a sweat just thinking about it. Yep, yep, yep. Replied Donna, wringing her hands together. Well, honey, I hope you're not gonna going anywhere tonight, because you're gonna be turning the air blue. Ugh. Said Big Peg, turning back to the kitchen. One kibbles and bits at table ten. A siren wailed, and a red light on the ceiling started blinking. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. One fire fry. Ah, oh, maybe that is. One fire fry. A blue blinking light came on as a gong sounded. Fire fry, fire fry, fire fry. Okay. Next page, please. Fucking slow ass weed. Alright. Oh, well, you don't. And deadbeat. Oh, you're up. And Deadbeat wants a pink one uh, with jockey marks. <laughs> the siren died. The red and blue light switched off, and the gong stopped in mid-gong. The counter guy, onion chopper, and the cook each appeared at our booth carrying their choice of club. The cook's was a nine iron. Deadbeat, deadbeat, deadbeat. Don't worry, I'm paying. Oh, shit. Uh, don't worry, I'm paying. Snorted Donna. Donna, Donna, Donna. Hi, guys. Uh, hi, guys. 
she replied, flapping at them. The trio departed, giving me one last dirty look. Big Pig just grinned at me. Ralphie, would you mind if I, if I stay at your place for the rest of, or for the next few days? Asked Donna. I was stunned. Yeah, here was the girl that made my day. The one I was beginning to believe was the one, and she wanted to know if it was okay to stay with me. No problem at all. I'm sure the grin on my face was obvious. It's just that I don't have any other place to go. She explained. How did you bump into Jim, I asked. Well, I had stopped by the old school to see if anyone knew where you lived. You said in your letters that you still helped out with the band. I bumped into Jim waiting for his girl. You mean Jim is in my apartment with a minor? I said, jumping up from my seat. Big Peg eyed me up like I was ready to skip the bill. No, she's some funky. <laughs> she's our age, but still trying to get a, the diploma. I sat back down and chuckled. I don't know where he finds him. A kid appeared with a tray to service. I got my burger and basket of fries. Donna received a plate with a sandwich and fries with gold sparklers stuck in both. The kid held out a cassette player and turned it on. The theme from the movie MASH came on, and the kid started to sing. When he hit the refrain, the counter guy, the onion chopper, and the cook joined in. That suicide is painless, it brings on many changes, and I can take it or leave it if I please. Thanks, we got the idea. I oh. said, waving him off. <laughs> I could... I could smell the sauce sitting across from her. It had a metallic twang to it, and I thought my nose was going to bleed just from the vapors. It's on me, so enjoy, she said, picking up her fork and knife. I watched as she forked a fry loaded with the sauce and chill, chili. It made its way to her mouth, and I watched almost in a sadistic way. Her eyes closed as the first fire ignited in her head. Then she began to chew like it was the first home-cooked meal she ever had in her life. God, this is so good. I almost forgot. Her breath nearly knocked me unconscious. She then cut a piece of the sandwich and shoved it in. I closed my eyes, expecting her to start gagging. I heard her inhale and then snort. Thank you for coming here, Ralph. I love this place so much. She leaned across the table and gave me a quick kiss on the lips. Besides being stunned from the fact that my girl just gave me a kiss, my lips started burning like I had flicked a bick and was resting the flames against him. I ran my fingers across him, not to wipe away the sauce, but to be certain that they weren't bleeding. <laughs> then I did have to wipe away the sauce as it began searing into my skin. How can you eat that? She rolled her eyes and said, This is so good. Under her breath to me. As we ate, I could tell she was enjoying herself, and Big Peg made sure she was stationed between us and the exit. After a few extra colas for Donna, we were ready to go. Peg brought the check and handed it to Donna. It was $7.50. She checked her pockets and then shrugged her shoulders. I think I need to see the manager. <laughs> sure, sweetie, anything for you. Cooed Big Peg, and then holstered her skirt again for my benefit. You're all mine if she can't work something out, deadbeat. She whispered to me. I shuddered in my seat. I thought you were paying, I said to Donna as Peg 
got out of earshot. I am. She replied, flapping her sleeves at me. A 40-ish balding man appeared at our table with half-moon black-rimmed glasses seated low on his nose and several stains on his white dress shirt. Is there a problem here? Well, there seems to be a bit of a mix-up. I was supposed to pay for dinner, but I forgot to bring money. Is there any way we could work this out? Asked Donna, batting her eyelashes at him. The man looked back at me, sizing me up. We don't let people work off their food tabs here. If you can't pay, we'll have to call the police. Looking as tough as he could, and then licked at a fresh stain on his sleeve. Oh, I'm sure there's a way to fix this problem, said Donna, running a hand up and down the poor man's leg. I rolled my eyes and looked up, looked at the ceiling. No, there, oh my god, I'm sorry. No, there isn't, he said, sounding a little less assertive. Oh, come on, it's just $7.50. Cooed Donna, running her hand closer and closer to the man's crotch. Donna, don't. Um. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe if I talk to you in private, he said, as he started to move his body a bit to help her hand reach his 40-ish manhood. Oh, wow. Sounds good to me. Show me the way. She said, standing up. Donna, I pleaded with her. She shot me a be-quiet look and then smiled back at the manager. Wait for me outside. I'll be there in a few minutes. She said out of the corner of her mouth and then winked. I watched as she grabbed the last fry off her plate and followed the man behind the counter and disappeared down a hall. As I stood, Big Peg had her eye on me. We stared each other down for a minute, and then I moseyed my way toward the door. Her hugeness lumbered over and blocked the exit. Hey, hey, hey Donna's taking care of the bill with the boss, I said, puffing my chest out with bravado. You don't leave until he tells me you can, deadbeat. She grunted back, puffing out her chest and knocking me back a foot. Taking a deep breath, I leaned into her face and said, an ear-piercing scream came from the back of the building. Big Peg took off in the direction of the wounded, and I booked out to the parking lot. I got about 20 paces out of the place when I heard another scream burst into the lot as the door flew open, and Donna came running out with her sleeves flapping around as her arms turned like blades of a windmill. Look for the Chevy, she shouted, holding an arm up long enough for me to see a set of keys. Oh, God. I looked around frantically, but there were at least six of them there. What were, What are we looking for? Something with um, stains on the seat. Donna said, running to the first two she reached. Then she reached a Nova, and she spotted some paperwork sitting in the back seat. Here it is. She stuck the key in the door. It worked. She jumped in and opened the passenger door. Get in. She shouted. But I was 40 feet away. As I turned toward her, there was another scream that emanated from the eatery. It wasn't the same as before. This one was fierce and guttural. The glass door shattered as her hot, her hugeness flung it open and rumbled out only as a 450-pound woman could. She was carrying the cook's nine iron. I knew I had to reach the car before I had a permanent divot in my head. Deadbeat! Deadbeat! Our deadbeat dickhead, shouted Peg. I ran to the open door and slammed it shut behind me. Let's go. Donna held up a broken key head in my face. What happened? 
I asked, turning to see Peg getting awfully big in the window. It wouldn't turn, in, or it wouldn't turn, and it broke, shouted Donna. You have to push that button over there, I said, feeling around the steering column. I looked out the window, and Peg was about 20 feet away, but it stopped to take a breather. Fat bitch, I mumbled as I slid under the dash. A few wires here, and then the car started. Okay, press the button to release the wheel as I sat up. The 9-iron crashed through the passenger window and nearly sent my IQ down to the drooling stage. Deadbeat! The manager appeared in the doorway with his pants still down, but his boxers back up. Someone call the police! He pulled out the elastic waistband and looked down. Some, someone call an ambulance! It's blistering! The huge <laughs> woman actually stopped a moment. She looked over her shoulder at the man that signed her checks and said, Who cares? Oh. Oh, who cares? Then her head slowly turned back to me with the club held high over her head. A wicked grin formed on her face. Fuck you, deadbeat, she growled. The club swung down again. Donna threw it into gear and hit the gas. The club missed and caught on a piece of loose chrome. Fuck you, you piece of fat... <laughs> Wait, oh. is that you or me? Oh, that's me. Fuck you, you piece of fat shit. Burn in hell. Eat me, hippo woman. You reek of fat, smelly funk, you piece of ugly, fat, fat, ugly. I realized Peg was still standing next to the passenger's window instead of becoming a shrinking image in the rearview mirror. The nine iron worked itself loose and came down again. Donna? I asked urgently. It stalled. Oh, man. I slid under the dash and again hit the wires as Donna urged the car out of the lot. Peg managed to take a few more swings and I got it on my upper legs. Her last swing caught the lever for the seat and hooked itself. She could have let go, but not her. As we headed out to the street, Peg was dragged a good 50 feet, screaming deadbeat the whole way. Holy shit, Mom blew a guy for a sloppy joe? Uh, Donna turned on to the main road and asked if I was okay. I was, but I doubted Big Peg was feeling too well as I watched her roll a few times onto the shoulder of the road in the side mirror. What happened back here? I asked as the car raced down Front Street. I had this guy pegged the moment he walked up to the table. She said, what do you mean? I made him an offer that he was more than happy to accept. He wanted you to burn him? Uh, no, I offered him a blowjob. She said, turning her head toward me, allowing her breath to nearly render me unconscious. I hung my head and then stared out the broken window. Hurt that... My girl had done such a thing with that guy. What's wrong? She asked. I didn't answer. What? What? You don't think I? You don't think I blew him? Do you? I turned to look at her. I don't know what to think. Shit, Ralph. All I did was um, sp spit on him a few times. She said, snorting as she chuckled. I felt myself going from feeling hurt to being thrilled. Donna used her head only as a ditzy Donna could. It just took a few seconds for the guy to realize what was happening. She snorted. I could have paid him. I really do have money. I just couldn't help myself. I, so I started um, spitting away. <laughs> My own wee willy shrunk at the thought. Donna, we have to get out of this car. No problem, here we go, she said as we pulled into the mall parking lot.
what are we doing here? There's a bus that takes us back to your street. Uh, let's go. She said and then kissed me on the cheek. It burned. I didn't care. The bus came along about ten minutes later and soon we were standing outside my apartment door pleading for Jim to let us in. The door opened a crack and we entered. Jim was on the other side of the door in my robe, blocking our path to the living room. Move, I said, as lord of the castle. Jim chuckled a bit. I just want you to know that the police were here for only a few minutes. Things got a little out of hand and Jim shook his head a moment. She's a pistol in the sack. Move, I repeated, sure that the second command would be the charm. Wait a minute, what police? As the evening progressed, the bedroom antics moved from the bedroom to the living room. I pushed him, Jim aside and entered a disaster area. The couch was turned over. The black and white was on the floor busted and my hanging plants were grounded. A man was standing outside looking in my newly shadeless window. Now that I was a few feet away from Donna, my sense of smell was coming back and it told me that something had been burned while I was out. <clears throat> I headed toward the kitchen. Oh yeah, I uh, had a problem with some Jiffy Pop. I looked at the scorched cabinets above and the emptied CO2 extinguisher sitting below on the floor next to the stove. Did you know you have to shake those things while they cook? Jim asked, like it was a discovery of the century. Where is she? I asked, ready to pop in one. She left when the police did. I was waiting for you. Now that you're here, I'll be leaving, he said as he took off the robe, revealing his normal garb. Wait a minute, I said. What were the police here for in the first place? With all the screaming coming from Kelly, and man, she is wild, the neighbors thought you were trying to fuck a cat. Donna turned to look at him. What? Uh, where, where would you, where would they get an idea like that? Jim cleared his throat a few times, not sure how much he should embarrass me. He settled on the max. Well, it seems that the neighbors know that Ralphie boy here hasn't had a girl in his apartment for himself other than his mom. When they heard all the screaming, hissing, and shrieking, they naturally assumed that Ralph was practicing feline fornication in here, he said, tossing me my robe and handing me a yellow folded piece of paper as he headed toward the door. What's this? I asked, opening it up. Oh, that's a citation for disturbing the peace, he replied as he opened the door. Fine was 50 bucks, payable in three days. I handed it back to Jim, but he wouldn't take it. You need this to pay it, I said, waving it at him. I'm not paying anything. What do you mean? You're the one that caused... My name was on the citation. You told them you were me? How did you get away with that? They must have asked for ID. Jim pulled my wallet out of his pocket and tossed it to me. Don't leave home without it, he said as he walked out the door. It took several minutes for me to get my emotions together. Behind me, I could hear Donna setting the furniture upright and hanging the plants. All I could do was stare at my now-empty wallet. Jim helped himself to my $20 in gas and spending money and that stupid citation. Ralphie. I dropped my arms to my side and hung my head. Ralphie. I think I was ready to cry. Ralph! What? I asked, turning to look at her. She was bent over and walking around, jerking her head at the ground like a chicken. Her arms were stretched back, holding the rabbit ears from my black 
and white on her ass as she pecked like a chicken. She fanned the two antennas vertical to horizontal over and over again. What am I? She asked, pecking away. I bit my lip. It was funny as shit, but all I wanted to do was dwell on the horrible evening. What am I? She asked again, fanning the antenna back and forth and pecking away. I coughed out a small chuckle. I don't know. What are you? She started warbling some jingle and said, uh, The following presentation is brought to you in living color on NBC. And fell on her face laughing. Snort. Only Ditsy Donna could have come up with that at that moment. She got up with a little rug burn on her chin, walked right up to me, and gave me a hug. It's the best hug I've ever had in my life. Ralphie, I'm so sorry about tonight, uh, but everything will be okay. She whispered in my ear. I had never heard her so serious. Are you sure it's okay for me to stay here? Of course it is, I answered and then decided to get bold. I've missed you, Donna. She squeezed me hard. I felt that little jiggle I'd felt earlier and waited for the snort. There wasn't any. I felt a drop on my neck, and it didn't burn. She was crying. I never thought it was possible. She started to shake and sob. My mom and dad broke up. I had to leave school. I can't even go home. Uh, they sold everything. I knew there was only one possible place to go, and it was back here to you. As she spoke, she slobbered on my neck. It burned and would probably blister, but I forgot about my unbelievably horrendous day. I loved her, plain and simple. Ditsy Donna. I loved her since the first time she laughed at lunch and milk came out of her nose. I loved her when she mooned the milk lady, gave the principal the finger, and when she told the biology teacher she couldn't participate in lab because she had her time of the month and couldn't touch the samples. I loved her. God almighty, I loved her. I pulled back a bit to look at her. Her hair was just as wild as ever. Her eyes were watery, nose was runny, and her breath was still deadly. You're welcome to stay as long as you need to, I said evenly, trying to hide what I was feeling for her. She pulled back and headed toward the bathroom, stopping at the door. I think I need a shower, Ralph. Uh, she wiped her eyes with her sleeves, and then there was the slightest hint of a smile. You wouldn't happen to have a spare pair of pajamas around, would you? Donna's going to be in my shower, naked. No, but I'll find something for you, I replied, trying not to have my voice give me away. Okay. She said, trusting my judgment. She closed the door, and before I could get past the door to the bedroom, it opened, and a pile of clothes and her sneakers were hurled out into the hallway. She closed the door and hollered, Leave them there. I'll take them down to the laundry room later. On top of the pile was a bra. I picked it up and read the label. J.C. Penny, all cotton, 38 double D. Wash warm, tumble dry. Double D? Donna was a double D? I'd never have known if I wasn't seeing it in black and white. She always wore bulky clothes to hide them. Of course, the driver tonight got a great look at them, but not me. Stranger one. Stranger 1, me 0. He got to cop a feel, too. Stranger 2, me zip. She said he drove away happy. Stranger 3, possibly 4, me squat. The sound of the water running in the shower woke me from my mental score. 
Keeping in, I headed to the bedroom to straighten it, change the sheets, and find something for Donna to wear. After fixing the bed, I realized that I didn't really have anything that would fit her other than a pair of jockeys and a t-shirt. I grabbed an oversized dress shirt in case she wanted to wear it on top. I had a robe, but Jim had worn that, and there was the smell of the Jiffy Pop incident on it. I changed into a tee and a pair of shorts. Ralph! I heard her call through the door. Yeah, I answered, leaning against the door to hear. Do you have any towels? I didn't notice any on the holder. She shouted as the water continued to run. She was right. I had washed them all last night, and they were still in the hall closet. I grabbed two and knocked. I have them. Do you want me to leave them outside the door? No, bring them in, she said. Oh, my God, Donna's going to be two feet away from me naked. I felt a closeness to Pop I'd never felt before. He was reacting pretty much the same way I would have. I closed the book, wondering if I really needed to read anymore. I had a feeling things were going to get a bit smutty, and I wasn't sure I was comfortable with that. I know I saw the word boobs further in the story when I was flipping through the pages. Well, if my Pop felt it was important enough to write it down and keep it, and I do like boobs. Okay, I'm bringing them in, I said, wanting her to be ready. First thing I noticed as I opened the door was that Donna didn't have the shower curtain inside the tub. The second was that there was water all over the floor. The last thing I noticed was that the ceiling needed to be painted as my feet went out from under me and the back of my head slammed against the floor. The next thing I remembered was that an angel was above me, a naked angel. Ralph, wake up. She was straddled. She has straddled me. Her face is close to mine, and she is gently tapping my face. Her breasts are brushing my chest. <coughs> oh. oh, I know. The fucker's long. I know. Maybe we could take a read the rest of it tomorrow. Hold on, how many pages is this fucking thing? It looks like five. Man. It's not bad, it's just, it's not great. But anyway, we can finish it up, like, tomorrow or something. Yeah, we still got three more to go. Uh, yeah, we'll just finish it up later. Um, uh, all right, well. We're out. Until tomorrow. Be continued. Okay, bye. Fuck, that was 46 minutes.